So this summer, uh, we are in a, a series called Passages, and uh, each week, different speakers have come up and uh, talked about different passages that have uh, had significant insight, uh, life, or whatever, have, have really connected uh, with them. And so each week, it's been a, been a different uh, passage. Phil last week talking about, uh, well, Jesus, basically, is what he talked about uh, from Philippians and Chandra, um, all things new a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm going to take it a little different today because I'm, I'm hoping that you will leave here feeling like a theological giant. We have high hopes for this next half hour, don't we? That you'll walk out of here feeling like a theological giant. Not just because you can understand a passage better, but today I want you to understand a whole book of the Bible better. So for those of you that are kind of intimidated of the Bible, uh, it's big. It's old, 2,000 years old, Middle Eastern perspective. Just, it's intimidating to read. It's just like, what are these examples? What are the, who's this all for? And you're just kind of, you're still trying to figure out what this Bible is. At least today, I, I hope that you will leave here having an, a good understanding of one book of the Bible. Uh, the book, uh, or better described maybe as a letter, uh, was written to Titus. This isn't the Titus that's down at the Shakespeare on the Saskatchewan. This is a different Titus. Uh, but we're talking about the letter that Paul wrote to Titus. Uh, he, Titus. Paul ended up sending Titus to the island of Crete, which is just south of uh, Greece. Uh, it's a comparatively short letter, which is why we can cover it in the next half an hour or so. Um, but even more significant, the, the point of the whole letter is to equip Titus, or to equip even us today, to live out our Christian faith in a non-Christian culture. For those of you that are just waking up, the point this morning is to be equipped to live out our Christian faith in a non-Christian culture, and how to do that. Before we get into uh, the book of Titus, let me give you some broader context. Again, for those of you that are still trying to figure out what this letter is, Um, it all starts with Jesus. Jesus was born a Jew. He died on the cross, and then he miraculously came back to life. We call that the resurrection. Those that he was leading, the 12 disciples, went from ordinary fishermen, ordinary average Joes, to these ultra-bold proclaimers of the resurrection filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. From that, the church was birthed. Those that believed the message of grace, they accepted the gift of salvation, even though it wasn't earned, even though it wasn't deserved, they accepted that gift that Jesus had to offer them. One of those people that received this gift of salvation was called Paul. He was a Pharisee, he was a a Jewish religious leader, and he literally met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and quickly ended up becoming known as a missionary to the Gentiles. Gentiles are everyone who's not Jew. His preaching was that everyone, not just the Jews, but everyone can have a relationship with God the God, the creator of the whole universe, that people could have a relationship 
because of what Jesus did, because of his death and his resurrection. And so Paul traveled around the whole Roman Empire with some others telling people about Jesus. One of those people he was with was Titus. And so we enter into the book of Titus. Uh, You can find the the letter to Titus in the New Testament, kind of like three quarters of the way through uh, your Bible. It's called one of the pastoral epistles. So you're going to learn a new word. Epistle means letter. It's just fancy talk. There are three pastoral epistles. Two of them are to Timothy, and one of them is to Titus. The other two letters, creatively enough, are called 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Titus is the third. They did not have a whole lot of creativity in what they titled their letters. So I'm going to pause there. That's a little bit of the background, and we're going to get deeper into some of the background here uh, in a minute. And the way that we're going to do this is through uh, watching an eight-minute video. It's put on by a group called The Bible Project, and it gives the background and history of an entire book of the Bible. Um, so you have access to this. Every one of you in the room has access to this video on something called Right Now Media. Okay, so the reason I'm showing this video, I, I typically am not a video shower. Because I think that, that teachers should end up learning and embracing and taking it in and then teaching it themselves. However, if I did that, you'd go, well, okay, fine. But you wouldn't actually go check out Right Now Media. Right Now Media, is, we, we did a survey of the Right Now Media users. Thank you to those of you who filled this out. Uh, we had 80 responses. 44 of those responses said that they used Right Now Media weekly. Right Now Media is, is Netflix for Christians. There's Bible studies on there. There's kids' videos on there. There's um, marriage videos on there. It, it, it has a little bit of everything in there. The video that, we're about to show, that I'm about to show you about the background of Titus is there. So you have access to this. All the books of the Bible, if you want to do your own Bible studies, they're all available to you uh, there. Anyway, eight-minute video that I want to expose you to just have a good understanding of the context of this letter. It goes kind of quick. So if you're a note-taker, you might want to jot a few quick points down. Uh, After it's done, I'm going to come up and I'm going to read. It takes about six minutes. I'm going to read the book of Titus to you. But you're going to have the background, the context from this video to kind of understand the whole book. From there, we're just going to go into application of how I apply this and then Ryan Epp uh, is going to come up, and he's going to speak for a couple minutes on how he is applying this in his own life as well. That's where we're headed. Sound good? The video, please. You know I could have done that in eight minutes, right? <laughs> like I said, I think it's better for teachers to learn it and then teach it. I think we grow that way. But I want to expose you to this so that you can have access in your own Bible study to look at that and go, oh, that's what that book of the Bible is about. And you can uh, pursue uh, that further through Right Now Media. Uh, I'd like you to think through how to wisely participate in our culture. What is Saskatoon culture? Uh, What is North American culture? And how are you going to wisely participate Pick out a couple of things uh, in your mind as I read uh, the book of Titus to you. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. 
which God, who does not lie, and my own emphasis, like the Cretans, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command, God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced, because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to commands or the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Chapter 2. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent, in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, and try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Chapter 3. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obedient, to be obedient, to be ready to do what is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that, having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good, in order that they might provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. So how can we participate wisely in our culture? Or what makes the gospel attractive? Uh, the, the Bible Project video said Christianity is compelling when it looks culturally similar, but is based on a different value system. I'm going to call up Ryan here. I was going to give some of my own uh, reflections on this, but I also want uh, Ryan to, to come on up. Um, it would be a, it's a worthwhile study in, in, in your own uh, small groups uh, to talk about, okay, so what is... What is uh, if Cretans are known for liars and deceivers, then what is Saskatoon? What is our, our Canadian or North American culture? I, I would say it would be selfishness. Materialism and busyness are two of our main things, and I have ideas of, of how I have countered that in my own life. Uh, but I also want to give Ryan a little bit of time to, to speak to this. Um, Ryan here uh, grew up in our church. He's a dad, he's a husband, and he's a new missionary. Uh, he's going to be leading uh, MB Mission from Saskatchewan here, and uh, he's going to be, be launching basically initiatives out of uh, out of Saskatoon uh, 
and so I'm going to let Ryan speak more to, to some of that. Uh, the main thing is that this afternoon, right after this service is done, over in the lounge, we have a lunch, which Ryan is hosting for anyone who's wanting to learn a little bit more about what he's doing and what his family has gotten themselves into uh, here. So, But I have great respect for Ryan over the years for how he has worked through this in his own mind uh, and in his family of, of how he tries to make the gospel um, attractive in the, in the secular society. So I wanted to give him a minute to kind of give some ideas for application of how this is done. Right on. Um, yeah, so I... When, when Kevin talked to me about this opportunity, I thought that was great because uh, I've read Titus even in the last few months, and this, this focus that, that Titus has is so easily applicable for, for all of us because um, a lot of us spend a lot of our time surrounded by people that don't believe necessarily the same things that we do, don't, don't believe in Jesus. So my, my vocation about the last decade has been a mechanic, uh, still, it still is, partly, um, and being a mechanic is, is kind of a, a deep dive into non-Christian culture, um, and so probably the biggest way that over, over the last many years of being a mechanic that, um, that like, that I'm able to bridge uh, kind of a, a bridge between uh, Jesus and, and culture is working well at whatever task I'm at, uh, whatever job I have, taking the tasks that my, my employers give me and, and treating them really serious and doing the tasks to, to the best of my ability, becoming the best mechanic that I can, trying to solve as many problems as I can and, and really like, fix things well in, in my context. And, and along with that is, and, it, and Titus talks a lot about this, or the, the book of Titus talks a lot about this, is, is not speaking bad behind people's backs about, about coworkers, about, about, you know, random people in society, or especially about my employers. Um, so this has been a huge, a huge way that I can, I can work right in a non-Christian setting, but just by working well and not speaking poorly about my employers um, is, is a huge is a huge like um, bridge to people being curious about what maybe runs my life and what what my my values are um, and and it leads me into into friendship um, that's that's my my next biggest um, way that this is played out in my life um, not so doing my job well, not speaking badly about people and especially my employers behind their backs, um, and and looking for friendships with with the people that I am around. Um, and and as I as I've entered into many different friendships with people throughout the years, it it allows me to start sharing my story and and part of my story is is how I've stepped into God's story. And, and how he's totally changed how I live and, and why I live, given me hope. Um, and, and looking for friendship and, and, and valuing friendship in, in my workplace has, has really contrasted um, uh, 
is a, is a big contrast to, to something that I've, I've struggled with, like the mentality of, of wanting to con convert people in, in conversation or, or in relationships, but, but really just in, inviting people into a bit of my story and wanting to hear their story. Because I found that as soon as I get labeled as a, because often when, when I, my goal is to convert someone, I, I'm trying to like prove my point. And then I get labeled a religious person. And a lot of people have made up their minds that they don't relate with religious people. And it, once, you, once you cross over into that label, sometimes it's really hard to get out of that. And, and so one of the, the main reasons, or sorry, one of the main ways that um, I'm able to tell my story, especially in the last few years, is, is talking about my family with coworkers and, and with, with people at work. And especially people that have a wife or, or kids, um, it's, a, it's a really sweet connecting point. And as uh, Terry and I have made really good friendships with, with many of my coworkers that, that aren't Christians, um, you know, as, as soon as kids, kids just add this, like, innocence that is, is really valuable to, to be able to share stories back and forth. And it, it's uh, been a huge bridge to... To have, have people respect me as, as a family man, as, as a father, um, but also to be able to respect them as, as the same. And, uh, yeah, just led into so many different opportunities of sharing my story. And, and yeah, I need to continue to pray for boldness to, to, be, um, to be willing to go into, into the reason of my hope and, and making some of the, those things more, more straightforward and, and more upfront. But... Um, but yeah, just having, having solid friendships that, uh, like with some of those family connections has been so valuable and just a huge way that I've been able to just bridge those gaps. Uh, one of the things I have in my notes is just when, when we start doing that, we end up being perceived as foolish. So I was thinking, you know, for me and my wife, like we have one vehicle so that we go in one direction as a family. And our neighbors on both sides probably have more vehicles than they do drivers. And that's not that that's a bad thing, but it's, it's for, they would perceive us as foolish. Like, what? You don't talk about your boss behind your back? Why not? Like, you know, it's, it's that, that foolishness that, that we need to, to, that we're able to overcome by the attractiveness that, that deep down there is something good to what you're doing. It's something to work through in your own mind. Like I said, I wanted to leave you being, feeling like you're a spiritual giant today. To have this understanding deep down of God's word, of what he is saying, but then allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into your, into your hearts, into your minds of, okay, so how do we do that? Small groups are a great place for that. Uh, you can check out our website and you can sign up for a small group on there. Uh, so that you have a context, a community to chew some of these uh, questions through as to what you're going to do about that. How does that apply to, to you? How can you make the gospel attractive to your culture around you? I want to call the worship team up, and uh, we're going to continue to, uh, to respond to God's word through, through singing and, uh, and praising him together. Um, another great place, just as they're, they're coming, is, like I said, is Alpha and, and Ryan talking about you know, inviting co co-workers to have a place to talk about, okay, so why do you live such a foolish way? Like, you're different. Your family is different. Your talk is different. Why is that? What is the underlying reasons for some of those things? And I just believe that as we pray for our coworkers and, and for our culture, 
um, that he is drawing people to himself. And, and as we live good lives, uh, God will draw people to himself. I'm debating hitting one more point here uh, with my message. And, and uh, I, think, I think just before we call the ushers forward, I'm going I'm to hit this one point. If uh, Cretans were known to be liars, uh, and what are we in, in Saskatoon? What's the culture of Saskatoon or of, of North America known for? I'm going to put out there as a, as a suggestion that it's selfishness. I think uh, the god of selfishness uh, is, is worshipped well in our society. And I think it shows up primarily in how our society handles time and money, busyness and materialism. I think uh, Paul would suggest to, uh, to Christians, to, uh, he would be looking for Christians that are generous with their money and who have time to serve others. And so this is how I'm applying the book of Titus in my own life. Uh, so for me, I, I try to uh, live life in the culture looking primarily like others. I have a job, I have wife, I have kids, but the values that I live by are totally different. Uh, I don't go to work so that I can earn more money or buy more things as some in our culture do. Uh, I trust God for my needs. Uh, I don't trust money. I don't trust my job. Uh, I trust in God to provide. I work because God has called me and has given me abilities to glorify him. And I have a really unique call to ministry. If you want to hear the story sometimes, it would be really disobedient of me to not have stepped into ministry. Um, but I, I think I could be working somewhere else and making a whole lot more money than what I make here. And so out of obedience to God, this is where I am. And out of the, the salary that the, the church pays me, uh, Luann and I end up giving about 11 to 12% of our gross income a year to, to church and other organizations, primarily church. About 9.5% comes right back here. The others go to missionaries and, and others. That's how we work it out. But the main thing isn't just how much we give. Uh, for me, I try to give more this year than I did last year. And I just look, compare it with CRA and my taxes, and that's how I know how much I'm giving. Um, and I would challenge, no matter whether you're giving 20% of your income or whether you're giving 2% of your income, try to give more this year than you did last year. Be more generous. I think that would be one way to live that out. Um, another one with our time, uh, like I said, we only own one vehicle, uh, not because we can't afford another, but it's just because we choose as a family to go in one direction. So we're not divided and going all over the place. Um, it's a discipline that focuses us so that we're not too busy um, by going every which way. We've chosen for Luann to stay at home, uh, to raise the kids, and to be helping out uh, at school um, where the, wherever there's, there's those needs are, arise. Those are just some of the intentional ways that we've chosen. Um, we're far from perfect. We do lots of selfish holidays. Uh, we, do, we like going out for food and spending too much money on those kinds of things. We have lots of places where, where we, we engage more like our culture than maybe we should. But we do live our life with different underlying values. Uh, we, we know that some people, like our neighbors or others, think we're totally foolish for the way that we're living. I would expect that some of you would think I'm totally foolish for the way that we're living. Um, but it's our attempt to, to approach our culture from a different value system. Uh, and so something deeper happens uh, for when people live in line with the way that God made the world, with his values. I wanted to also say that at the beginning, I, I wanted you to all feel like spiritual giants when you left here today. And Paul talks to Timothy and, and talks about being leaders, who uh, find leaders in the church that are 
that, that live their life with different values. You all qualify. I need to say this because you're all spiritual giants here. You, right now, every person in this room qualifies because you are living your life by a different value than culture. And here's how I know that. You are all ready for leadership, for sure, because you have made an intentional choice that is totally different than our culture. Because they are eating waffles at home, and you are sitting in a pew in church. Way to go. Give yourself a little pat on the back. That is an intentional choice that you made this morning that makes you more in line with God's direction than living for yourself and doing your own thing. Now, our friends that are at home eating waffles, it doesn't mean they're all selfish just because they're doing that, but you did make a choice this morning of to live in line more with uh, the direction that God wants, is to come to gather together in a Christian community and worship him. So good job. And uh, I think Paul would be, would be proud of, of you for that and continue to live your life more in line with the values that, that God has. So let's pray together. God, uh, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that, uh, that you are the one who started the church by the power of your spirit. God, thank you that you inspire and challenge us as we turn our life over to you to live in line with your values. Help us to do that, God, even if we're seen as foolish by our world, but that there would be something different about us that compels people and draws them to you. We trust that, uh, that you will be working in our hearts and our minds as we, we work through how to apply this book of Titus today. In your name, Jesus. Amen.